To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Welcome. Well, come in. Let's put on the show. Your cadaverous pallor. Aloha. Betrays an aura of foreboding. Hang on to them hats and glasses. And now, ladies and gentlemen, remain seated, please. Permanecer sentados, por favor. Imagine, if you will, a podcast about Disney. And this special edition is about the 20th anniversary of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. And you're about to listen to it right now. This is Remain Seated, Please. Uh, well, here we are for Remain Seated, Please, episode 11. I'm David. And I'm Robert. And today we're joined by a very special guest back for his second appearance, Mark Silverman. Hello, Mark. Hi, it's great to be here. I do appreciate it. Ah, well, thanks for visiting with us. And uh, Robert, why don't you tell us a little bit about why Mark is visiting with us? Well, uh, a few days ago, July 22nd, was the 20th anniversary of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror opening at Walt Disney World. And Mark is the voice of Rod Serling, in the Tower of Terror. So, uh, so yes, Mark, thank you again for joining us, and uh, uh, how have you been? I've been just fine. There was a lovely dinner the other night in Burbank with all the Imagineers that worked on Tower of Terror, and I was happy to go there and eat pizza and lasagna. It was terrific. All right, well, let's, uh, since it is the 20th anniversary, uh, well, why don't we start at the beginning? We've asked you this before, but why don't you just tell us really quick again <clears throat> how you got the job? Well, being a voice actor, you audition. You, uh, your agent calls you and tells you there's an audition, you know. So a friend of mine, my agent wasn't even sharp enough to uh, call me about this. A friend of mine says, hey, Mark, I'm up for some Rod Serling job in the Tower of Terror. I don't really, he didn't really have that range in that area, so he didn't go. So I went to his agent and I read it for some woman that uh, she didn't even have equipment. It was like a ghetto blaster with a Radio Shack microphone. And she just says, read the Rod Serling copy. It's for a Disney ride. And I thought, Disney ride and Rod Serling, that doesn't make any sense. How do you connect that? So I read it. It was like the opening, you know, you're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. You're in the twilight zone. It was that kind of thing. So you do these jobs, and it's so hard to get this kind of work. They, when you do the, the audition, you don't even think about it when you leave. And this was one of those auditions that I didn't even think about. And about two weeks later, I got a message on my answer machine. Hi, Mark. This is Linda. Remember that Rod Serling thing you came in on? It didn't die. They want to see you back at Walt Disney Imagineering. And I thought, wow, I was so excited just to get in there and look at stuff. You know, I thought this will be great. So I auditioned again and, it, and there was a casting woman at Imagineering that would say, you know, they really like you. I, I think your audition was really good. And the audition kept getting smaller and there was like two more auditions at Imagineering. And finally, there was a big audition with me and some other guy. And I read it for Joe Dante and some other Disney people in this big warehouse area. And they told me in the waiting room that I got it. 
And that was that. And I still didn't really have any idea what the ride would be like, but I was just happy that I got a Disney job. Oh, well, that's great. That is. And, and <laughs> what a great job to get. Uh, 20 years ago, what, uh, well, what would it have been? 21 years ago that yeah. you recorded that copy? Right. 93. Yeah. How, you were what? How old were you back then? 29. Oh, wow. a young kid. Yeah. So you got the job. Now, the ride opened July 22nd, but there was a, a premiere. Do you remember when the premiere event was? It was, yes. I don't know the exact date, but I have it written somewhere. It was like October 28th, uh, 94. If you can, tell us about your trip to Disney World that time and take us through your adventure of your first time on the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Well, I was very excited to go down there. I hadn't been to Disney World since 1980 with my dad. We stayed at the Polynesian, which was absolutely beautiful. And then I went back to Disney World in 94 for this big premiere, and I stayed at the All-Star Sports. Which, oh, which, which section? There was a giant baseball bat right in front of my room, actually. And I stayed there and was very happy to be there. And I had never seen Epcot, so I had all these amazing things going on. Aside from, I mean, imagine, you are I'm a huge Disney fan. It's the first time I'm going to see Epcot, which that alone would have been amazing. But then add that I'm the voice of this new ride. The whole thing is like a dream, you know. So I stayed at the All-Star Sports, and I had... That night, there were all these different press events. So I went to one of them that was at Epcot, but I didn't get to ride anything. But there was a buffet in one of the uh, areas over there. Then I went to the um, Fort Wilderness. And there was a big buffet out in these areas where all these uh, uh, swimming pools and little geysers and things. And I'm standing out there eating all this stuff. And Michael Sprout, who wrote the Rod Serling dialogue, is there and some of the Imagineers. And I'm saying, what's the ride like? Do you see eyeballs like the beginning of the show of Twilight? What's it like? And they kept saying, Mark, calm down. You'll see it tomorrow. (laughs) I mean, I must have been driving them crazy. So... We all ate and all that kind of stuff. And then the very next day, I went to Epcot and I saw Spaceship Earth for the first time and was completely knocked out by that. That I, I, It was so emotional to see that great attraction. And at that time, it was Jeremy Irons doing the uh, dialogue. Like a grand and miraculous spaceship. Our journey, you know, all that kind of thing. And I, I was that I thought was incredible. What a great intro into Epcot. And then, of course, I did the uh, dinosaur attraction and then the imagination attraction and all that stuff. Was the dinosaur attraction Ellen's energy adventure at that time? It wasn't, but it had a pre-show that was like something you would see in junior high school. I had such a great time in, in Epcot. Then I went on the Mexican ride and the Norway ride, and I loved both of those things. And I loved Maelstrom. Yeah. You are not the first to pass this way, nor shall you be the last. Those who find Norway find beauty and adventure. Whatever that was. I thought that was the best. I loved it. And I had just the best time in Epcot. All And all this time, I'm looking forward to the Tower of Terror premiere. So I'm like in another dimension of fun, this whole thing was. So what was it like when you got to Disney MGM Studios? Well, I took a bus from the uh, All-Star Sports. They have buses, you know, that line up out in front and you get on them. 
<laughs> and you, you sit there, and they were all filled with press people. And as we drive to MGM Studios for the first time, I'm seeing Tower of Terror. I mean, I must have seen it from the airport when I got off, but I'm seeing it really close finally. And I'm completely knocked out because nothing they said to me during the recording made me know what this... They showed me one picture, but I still, until you see it right there, I really had no idea it was going to be this epic of a gigantic attraction. So we get off the bus and everyone just walks into Disney MGM Studios and there was a huge buffet of Cobb salads from the Brown Derby and all sorts of hors d'oeuvres. And then they put on a big giant show with like about old Hollywood and like uh, the Andrews sisters. Uh, there, were, there were like impressions of them and they were on stage and they had a whole musical about the Tower of Terror. It was phenomenal, the whole thing. And there were celebrities there. You know who I met there? That guy uh, from Platoon, Keith David. He was there. Oh, yeah. Was Steve Gutenberg there? Well, this was this this was before they made that Tower of Terror movie, and Kirsten Dunst was not there either. <laughs> Tell us about that uh, big countdown. We're standing there. I'm standing there with my cob salad and my champagne, and there was a big sort of uh, uh, fireworks on the attraction that just blew up, and and they were going all around the Hollywood Tower Hotel sign, and then they had a big giant countdown, you know, 10, 9, 8, 7, and then more fireworks shot off the top of the attraction, and the announcer said, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror is now officially open. Can you imagine the excitement I had about that? So then I went down after that was announced. I met Rod Serling's widow and the daughter of Rod Serling, and I was just completely, I, I couldn't believe that I was going to get in line and do this. So finally I decided to get in line, and there's people, it's all the way back, all the way from like when you walk in the gates, people waiting in line, press from all around the world. And I was so excited to know that this is probably the biggest thing in the world happening with Disney right now. And I was such a big part of it. It was so exciting and satisfying to know. And I kind of got a little emotional, you know. I thought about all those days walking in Disneyland with my parents through Sleeping Beauty's Castle and hearing When You Wish Upon a Star. I'm thinking of Walt Disney. I'm thinking of Rod Serling and all these thoughts in my head. And I couldn't believe that I was part of this thing. And I got into the lobby finally, and I couldn't believe how beautiful that lobby looked and that. And I even got more emotional when I saw that. Then finally, we made our way into the library, and I hear my voice coming out, and it is just uh, the most surreal experience of my life. What was your initial reaction of uh, going on the actual ride portion? Well, when I got on the ride portion, I was... Uh, everything just came out so well. I mean, more exciting than I even thought it would be. And when we got into the, when I heard my voice on the ride, it was even more weird and exciting than hearing it in the pre-show because we were on a ride vehicle. That just made it more amazing. You were the passengers on a most uncommon elevator. I heard that and I just got chills everywhere. <laughs> just for fun, can you do the entire ride dialogue? I can. <clears throat> I know all of it. You were the passengers in a most uncommon elevator, about to ascend into your very own episode of The Twilight Zone. When stormy night long ago, five people stepped through the door of an elevator and into a nightmare. 
That door is opening once again, but this time it's opening for you. You are about to discover what lies beyond the fifth dimension, beyond the deepest, darkest corner of the imagination, in the Tower of Terror. A warm welcome back to those of you who made it and a friendly word of warning, something you won't find in any guidebook. The next time you check into a deserted hotel on the dark side of Hollywood, make sure you know just what kind of vacancy you're filling, or you may find yourself a permanent resident of the Twilight Zone. And that's the end of that. With no copy, Mark Silverman. Thank you. <laughs> bum, ba, bum. Yes, yes, yes. And then I went, I wrote it like three times that night, and I kept drinking champagne. It, it, the whole thing was such a fantasy. I, I Just incredible that night. Now, you brought us a little treat, right? Yeah, I brought my tape recorder, and I taped the entire event. And according to you, you're going to play that for the listening audience at home. And here it is. developed a multitude of travel-related services for our members. Now, the one they really like more than anything is our inspections and our ratings of hotels and restaurants. Now, in 1939, we inspected the Hollywood Tower Hotel. And this hotel was so surpassed anything we'd ever seen that we decided to create a unique category. Now, we judge hotels by diamonds, one through five, with five being the best. But this hotel was so special that we decided that every floor was going to get a diamond, so we were going to create a 13-diamond award. But in 1939, the hotel closed, and we never had a chance to present the award. And it's been gathering dust in our corporate vaults. <laughs> now, with the added touch of the Twilight Zone, you're going to reopen the Tower of Terror for you and your guests. 
we've been waiting 50 years to present this award, 1939. So belatedly, I'd like to present this 13 Diamond Award to the Hollywood Tower Hotel. I am honored, I am truly honored, dust and all, and uh, I want to encourage you, uh, I proudly accept this from AAA on behalf of Disney, and I want to encourage you to be one of our first visitors to this hotel. And in fact, given our reputation for excellence and gracious hospitality, I've taken the liberty of moving your bags from the Grand Floridian to this very hotel right here. I hope that meets with your satisfaction. Words escape me. Uh, I don't think there's any way he's going to step foot in that hotel. Uh, thank you very much. And now, Graham and Ann, I think we should depart the stage because we're about to have the dedication. Ladies and gentlemen, we proudly present a special salute to the golden age of Hollywood.
Thank you for your understanding. We also have a program reminder that a special performance of Beauty and the Beast will be presented in just a few minutes in the Theater of the Stars. Thank you, and we hope you have a wonderful evening here at the Disney MGM Studios. That was great. Well, boy, that sounded like a blast. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was... I mean, they really uh, went all out, and it was an amazing event. And I, I'm just so thrilled that it's been 20 years, and that thing has still been there. And is that the same tape recorder you mentioned in the first podcast that you used to use on Pirates of the Caribbean? And yes. I had a few tape recorders, but that was one of them, yeah. yeah. So there I am standing in line for Tower of Terror, and I'm recording my own voice. And I had used that for years to record all the different rides and attractions at Disneyland. Yeah, I it, the whole thing was so wonderful, and I I couldn't believe what a gigantic. I mean, I had no idea that the ride was going to be as great and as epic as it was. When you went to the premiere, was that your first time at MGM Studios? Yes. Did you go back the next day? I did go back the next day, and there was a wedding taking place as they right in front, and then they went and did their vows and then took the plunge on the tower. Oh, wow. I wonder yeah. who that couple is. I don't know. I wonder. I wonder. I'm, they probably, you should have officiated as Rod. <laughs> I, that, that's, I, th I think I thought of that. You're right. <laughs> I have a couple questions from uh, some listeners. Oh. Um, one is from YouTube. Somebody asked a question on our previous episode with you, knew that you would be returning to the show, and wanted to know if you've ever talked in the Rod Serling voice during the ride to freak out riders. That question comes from Game Sins. Well, Game Sins, of course I do. I like to get into an elevator. Uh, if I'm seeing a, <coughs> a dentist or going into a high-rise and they have an elevator, I get in there with all sorts of people. And as the elevator doors close, you are the passengers in a most uncommon elevator. And sometimes they freak out and laugh. I, I remember one girl saying, hey, you sound just like that ride. I said, well, thank you. Thank you, young lady. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and a lot of people like that because it gives people a little taste of being in Disneyland or in a Disney theme park when you're just going to see you know, a dentist or yeah. a tax consultant and they feel like they're in a theme park. So that's great. But do you ever do the voice at the ride? I don't do it for people in line because I, maybe I, it's just, it would take too much storytelling and I just don't. If I knew the person a little bit, I would, but I, I don't. Sometimes I'll do it for the cast members. That's a, uh, that's about that. You but you want to enjoy the ride yourself. Yeah. You what don't want to be a, you well, know. you even mentioned sometimes you don't even think that it's you. You're listening to your voice back anymore. You like to pretend you're in an episode of the twilight. Right, you know, yeah. I just like to enjoy the ride like I'm just a, a Disneyland or Disney guest, you know. And Yeah, but um, knowing that it's me is, is completely thrilling at the same time. I mean, I, I just love that ride. Yeah. But it helps that I was insane about Twilight Zone as well. Well, that, that actually segues nicely into our next question. A uh, fellow podcaster from the Pretty Much It podcast, Eric Striffler, asks, What is your favorite Twilight Zone episode? Well, Eric... My favorite episode is called Stopover in a Quiet Town. That's where the two uh, the two people wake up and they don't know where they are and they everything's fake. The kitchen is fake. They go outside and the whole city is fake. A tree is fake. The grass is only paper mache. <laughs> <laughs> they 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 get onto a train and it just drives them in a big circle and all the time they hear this kid laughing. 
Finally, at the end, they figure out they're on another planet in a dollhouse. And that's that's my favorite episode, yeah. Do you remember what classic horror movie that guy is in from that episode? Uh, the Shining. Yeah, that's right. Right, he's the guy. With, is the, he the, the hotel year? Yeah, he's yeah, the guy he, that Nicholson has that meeting with. Oh. I think I'd like to work here. It sounds like a nice hotel. I can do a lot of writing. <laughs> so you mentioned that you went to uh, an Imagineering event uh, the other day, a uh, dinner that Imagineering held for the 20th anniversary. What was that? What was that like? Who was all there? It was like it was neat to see all those different Imagineers. I mean, the people that I knew best were Brian Nevsky, who was not on the original Tower of Terror. He's the casting guy at Walt Disney Imagineering. But it was nice to see Michael Sprout, who is retiring now from Imagineering. He wrote all the Serling dialogue. And Corey Sewelson, who was the producer of the Tower of Terror attractions. That was great. And I got to eat lasagna and a good salad and some bread and talk about Disney with all these fellas. Well, back with Twilight Zone. Yeah. Um, we we heard what your favorite episode is, but what is your favorite Rod Serling opening? What would it be? Well, the longest one is It's a Good Life, I think. There's so much, and I, and I love Which that. Which is what they used right. in the ride. But my favorite line actually is in that, in that uh, It's a Good Life, when he talks about the ant who keeps singing, and the little boy can't stand it, so he turns her into this really dull-looking woman, and then he has the line, she sings no more. It's a great line. <laughs> it might be my favorite line of all of them. Hmm. But the most dramatic is the closing of The Monsters Are Doing Maple Street. The tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. They're weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices to be found only in the minds of men. For the record, prejudices can kill and suspicion can destroy. And a thoughtless, frightened search for a scapegoat has a fallout all its own. For the children and the children yet unborn, and the pity of it is that these things cannot be confined to the Twilight Zone. Wasn't that dramatic? <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I'd like to point out that Mark is doing all of this while dr sipping from a Tower of Terror mug. That's right. <laughs> well, it's my little favorite little mug here. It keeps things nice and cold. Well, I got another question for you. Yeah. What's your favorite Twilight Zone reference in the ride? Well, I like the... Uh, the To Serve Man book that's in the library in the Florida Tower of Terror. I think that's just pretty neat there. I think they had problems with people stealing it, but now it's hammered there pretty good. <laughs> but I also like in the California version, the uh, chalk circle in the upper level of the boiler room where you hear the little girl crying for her mommy. That's a very... Yeah, that's a very good one. Yeah, that may be the creepiest thing the Imagineers have ever done. <laughs> a lost little girl crying yep. through the wall. Yeah, and the way they really set it up, it sounds like she's coming from beyond the wall. It's really nuts. Yeah, but they have the, the chocolate outline in, in the Florida Tower, but there's no kid screaming. Hmm. I really like uh, the uh, get out of here, Finchley uh, typewriter down beneath the, uh, right. the photos. I never liked that episode much, but oh. it's, it's a neat reference. Yeah. That and they have the most curious camera, or what is it? Uh, yeah, most, most unusual camera. Unusual camera. I like that, but I like my favorite episode of those in that area is the telephone from the Billy Moomy episode. Sure, yeah. That's a really creepy episode. Mm -hmm. And then they have in the in the library they have uh, the uh, the devil penny uh, fortune teller. Right. From uh, from that the William Shatner episode. <laughs> right. So, 20 years in the Twilight Zone. How does it feel? Well, it's great. 
Knowing that that attraction has been around 20 years is just, uh, I'm so proud I could bust. But the weirdest thing is to think that that ride is now as old as the Matterhorn was when I was 16 years old is bizarre because when you're a kid and the Matterhorn's around you just assume it you feel like it's been there for hundreds of years and now the Tower of Terror has been there for like people's whole lives that's really the weirdest yeah that's true before we let you go Marco why don't you tell us some of the things that you have coming up or uh, recently released well I'm also a few voices in the Treasure of the Seven Seas it's called it's like a scavenger hunt game in the Magic Kingdom right around Pirates in Adventureland And there's a helmet sitting there, sort of by the entrance of Pirates, and you put your little card over it, and all of a sudden you hear like a Ricardo Montalban voice saying, Ah, foolish pirates. (laughs) Fuego! And all these cannons shoot off everywhere. I I was waiting there, and this kid played it, and I heard myself, Fuego! And I was going to tell him, it was me, but I thought they just would have sounded insane, so I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I walked away just smiling, saying, Fuego! <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else coming up? Well, that's about it. Uh, a few things that may happen at Disney. I don't want to go into that right now, but it could be another uh, podcast interview at a future date. All right. That'd be well, great. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, and... Uh, how proud I am to be here for the 20th anniversary of an attraction as wonderful as the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Thank you, everyone. So, moving on to Disneyland news. What do you got? Well, well, first of all, besides having Mark sit with us on the news, we have another special guest. We have Inthea Seabrooks from her blog... ThisLittleDisneyLife.blogspot.com This Little Disney Life. So, uh, let's talk about some news. Well, first of all, just recently, last week, as a matter of fact, of this recording, Club 33 reopened. And, uh, very mixed reviews. Oh. Yeah. What have you heard about it? I haven't heard a damn thing. I just thought they took the walls down. I didn't know it was open. No, it's open. And, uh... I don't like the logo. Yeah, people. some people don't like the logo. Um, the wonderful Court of Angels area is no longer accessible to the public. Only people waiting to go to Club 33 can sit in there. Um, yeah, there's no trophy room anymore. The whole thing has been expanded. And like even the walkways that used to be there are much wider now. And there's a jazz lounge. That's oh, so is that open? And are there jazz bands playing there? No. There's no jazz band, but it's just it's just a lounge, kind of like the lounge at Carthay Circle. Yeah, you can order food in Whoa, there. Whoa, will day. there be jazz bands? Yes. Okay. It <laughs> will eventually. Was the Court of Angels where Donnie is dancing with Br'er Bear in that special? Uh, maybe. I can't remember. What else? There's, um, I don't know. I, I'm mixed about it. Like, yes, maybe the food tastes better. I don't know, but they got rid of that brunch where you get all you can eat food. But now they have lunch. like appetizers. They have, it's like the Carthay Circle Lounge. So you can sit yeah. and order and have some drinks. And now they have signature drinks. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just feel like uh, with all the changes, I feel like a big piece of history and mystery is missing. Yeah. Now. Well, yeah, it sounds like I could go to Club 33 or I can go to Carthay Circle. It seems a lot like Carthay Circle now. It's very, it seems a lot more modern. Yeah. And I, I from, oh. Yeah, he don't like it either. 
From what I've seen, I like it. I mean, there's some things that are like, hmm. Well, I will say the lounge aspect is probably... Quiet, Rover. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the lounge aspect would probably... I remember feeling like we were loitering to a point when we were at Club 33. <laughs> it was a little awkward to walk around and take pictures. Yeah, because it felt like everyone like, was looking at you, yeah. and like you, it was very hard to do it subtly and not feel like you were maybe not supposed to be there. Yeah, it... I don't know. I, I would, before I'm against it or anything, I just, I would need to experience it first. But uh, did you hear what they did with the old elevator? Well, the elevator that you used to take at in the lobby in Club 33, uh, it's no longer an elevator. They gutted it out and now it's in the lounge with a little booth in there and seats. But it's so small, like maybe two people could fit in there. <laughs> So it's oh, no, just one, just one, and you face there's the side. N- there's no functioning elevator now. No, well there is, there is outside. They built one on the outside. Huh. So what else? Um, some more Disneyland news. The new Frontierland game opened up, kind of like the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean thing you were talking about at Disney World. I don't oh. even know there was a game. What is it? It seems more real life though. There's no. Uh, interactive activity like with a card that you scan it's all you deal right. with real people right. oh I, you know i saw cast members talking to a few parents with their kids and i was wondering what they were doing and i guess that's it yeah i don't know a lot of de- details about it it's <laughs> awesome the thing that i love about it is frontierland was missing you never saw any cowboys around you never saw and they and they took billy hill and the hillbillies away i mean there was nothing frontiery about frontierland now there's about 15 to 20 cast members at any given time dressed in cowboy garb and going around and uh, there's some sort of weird game where you can buy land up and you're trying to buy Rainbow Ridge and I think only one guest a day can win can purchase up all enough land to get Rainbow Ridge but uh, you have to go to a bunch of stations you have to buy the land here and then get the deed signed elsewhere and you might get thrown in jail at some point and it's that all of that stuff seems super cool Howdy, folks, and welcome to a discussion about a new attraction in Frontierland. <laughs> Is there actually a jail they put you in? Yep. Yeah. Where? Uh, it's right uh, across from uh, the Zocalo uh, restaurant, between Zocalo and the Golden Horseshoe. Like that walkway. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of neat? It seems really cool. But why don't they have that great show that was there at Golden Horseshoe for like a limited time where it was the old... Uh... They did bring that back. But why doesn't that just stay? It was so it's good. A, it's Well, it was a limited thing, but they, they did bring back a, they brought a back variation a of, of it. Yeah. yeah. So, and they've incorporated the new storyline into it. So yeah. like you go visit Miss Lily and everyone. Oh, really? It. I think if you want to see that, though, you can go to the Hoop-de-Doo Review at the Wilderness Lodge and really... That, that's probably as close to that original show as you'll get. Where, in, in Disney World? At, at Walt Disney World, yeah. It's an amazing show. But that show was so great when they brought it back a like, year ago or so. You wonder why don't they just keep that? I know. That was my favorite live performance I've ever seen at Disney World. Yeah, it was perfect. It was exactly what should be in there. So, yeah, I'd like to experience that game soon, hopefully. But there's also news that they're bringing another game back that they uh, are bringing the... Adventureland Juju Scavenger Hunt to Disneyland, which they premiered at D23 last year, and we played it. And you, uh, when it was at D23, you had these different things you had to do. You had to find, you know, birds throughout the expo, or you had to go to Trader Sam's and say something, and you get these little 
these little jujus, little uh, tchotchkes, totems, totems, charms. Yeah, you would get these little things, and they're really neat. You get, like, a little skull. You get the Eye of Mara. And the ones that are coming to Disneyland are the same ones from D23. Uh, that we know of. That we know of. Maybe they'll have something new, but it, right now it seems like they're bringing back the same ones. And I know we're excited to get the pineapple. <laughs> my, my, my collection's not complete. It's been haunting me since, and I would really like that pineapple. Uh, Dickie Jones, the voice of Pinocchio, died recently. Now, I don't know, do I talk about Pinocchio on the podcast enough? But Pinocchio is my favorite uh, animated movie. In fact, I say it's my second favorite movie of all time. It's in my top three for sure. And uh, so that's always sad. How do you feel about that, Mark? I know he's your favorite. It's very sad because because of Tower of Terror, I'm included in a lot of Disney events and Christmas parties and all. And I've gotten to know him a little bit over the last few years. And I really liked him, and I talked about Pinocchio with him for a while, and he autographed a few of my uh, Pinocchio books and records and things, and I I knew him and his wife a little bit, so it was really sad because he seemed pretty healthy the last time I saw him, which was only about a year ago, so it was really shocking, very sad, and Pinocchio was Walt Disney's masterpiece. It still is the greatest, it's not only the greatest animated Disney film, it's the greatest animated film of all time, I think. Yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I uh, I wrote a fan letter to him to get his autograph. He sent back a a nice, I think it was like 11 by 14 picture of Pinocchio, and he wrote this on it. To Robert, best wishes, and in musical quotes, always let your conscience be your guide. Sincerely, Dickie Jones, the voice of Pinocchio. It's really nice. On mine, he wrote, hi, diddly dee. Yeah, so... What uh, else? Do, uh, I have something else. Yes, please. Uh, they just recently released some images of some new Haunted Mansion merchandise coming out. Did you see that? I did. It's in the same vein as those great things that came out last year, like the uh, the uh, Hourglass and the Candelabra. Now they, they'll have a Haunted Mansion urn and these really neat bookends. You need to get all that. Yep. Yeah, I agree with Anthea. We're all going broke. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, my goodness. Just take all my money. Another thing, uh, recently uh, Alice in Wonderland reopened in Fantasyland, and it has new effects with uh, digital mapping and animation, and it looks great. That's right. I really loved it. Yeah. I thought it was unexpected, and I thought they did a really great job. I heard a rumor somewhere, so I don't know if it's, it's a rumor, that for the 60th anniversary of the parks, they're going to be redoing all of the the uh, Fantasyland rides. So most of the rides should get the same type of update to it. That'd be great. And I think that's pretty amazing. However, Robert and I do not see eye to eye on Mr. Toad. Well, I told her Mr. Toad should remain the same because Mr. Toad is the only one that's still like all cardboard cutouts and... Mm. It should be like the old. They actually enhanced it a little in the 80s when they did that. And there, there is a figure of Mr. Toad in that fountain area where that's like a 3D statue, isn't, isn't there? No, it, no it, that's a no, horse. It's just the fountain is 3D. Oh, okay. It's, like, it's, a, it's an actual fountain. That's the only thing that's but not they, like they, But they also, the uh, the devils, they're not just flats. Right, that's true, that's true. And the stalagmites and all that. But I, yeah, I don't think that should get too uh, fancy with any kind of effects. It's perfect the way it is. I, I, I love Mr. Toad, but I would like the, um, after you get hit with the train, 
that area to be way more improved because at this point you don't even really see the little yeah, it's just, a strobe. It's just like <laughs> if even that it's like a blue light almost yeah maybe i'd be okay with that part. some of those effects i think could be a little bit just brushed up but generally i do love mr toad as is me too it's my favorite fantasy land ride but yeah alice in wonderland i think looks great but uh, I want to tell you about our last trip on Pirates of the Caribbean. So we went on Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, we were stopped right at the beginning of the Burning City scene near the Singing Trio. And we were just stuck there for a long time. And then they turned off all the audio and all of a sudden all the anim animatronics stopped. Everything was frozen except for the pirates chasing the women behind us. But all the animatronics were just dead and uh Casper came out and he like opened up a panel near that it scene was like somewhere. jurassic park like <laughs> they powered down someone came over the pa was all powered down this guy came out with a little flashlight opened up some panel and i was like that guy's gonna die like <laughs> and then they announced it they're like power back up and it was just like yo -ho. it was so whoa <laughs> yeah it, were the boats all backed up how did yeah. you stop yeah, oh okay. all the boats were backed up uh, it was it was neat to see and kind and of scary and he was explaining what would happen if we had to evacuate that they would make all the cast members put on waders they'd get in the water and push us back to where we could actually walk off of the boats i was kind of hoping i could wear waders <laughs> just walk, walk yeah. through pirates uh, a couple other things just to talk about real quick uh this last week recently it was disneyland's 59th birthday along with splash mountain's 25th and if you were, if you are an annual pass holder, you could go to Disneyland that week, this last weekend and get a special commemorative 25th anniversary Splash Mountain poster. Did you get it? I we did. did. It's pretty oh. neat. Yeah, Disneyland 60th anniversary is coming up and uh, they're doing a thing right now online where they're asking people to post photos from each Disney decade. So they started with the 50s. So if, like if anyone had any neat rare photos of them or their family at Disneyland in the 1950s. They could post it and uh, that's cool. This, it enters them into a contest to stay, to be involved somehow next year. Yeah, I'm not sure what they the win. Birthday. But. but they did say that the, that the celebrations will start in the spring of 2015, which is pretty much what they did for the 50th where everything started like in May mm -hmm. and went forever. For a year or more. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mark, for being on the show. It was fun. Anytime, anytime. And the pizza was terrific. Thank you. And thank you, Anthea, for joining the news. Oh, thank you for having me. And thank you, David, for doing the show with me. Hey, I do me. You want to let people know where they can find us again? Sure, yeah. You can find us on Twitter at Remain Seated Pulse. We are on Instagram, Remain Seated Please, and on Facebook at Remain Seated Please. All right. All Good right. night, everybody. Well, until next time, have a good evening. Bye. I can recite a lot of them, but the most dramatic is the closing of... Oh, pizza. Oh, the pizza. And now, ladies and gentlemen, from Mark Silverman's personal tape collection, one of his very first ride-throughs 25 years ago on the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of...
imagine of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. Beyond the deepest, darkest corner of the imagination. No! 
in the Tower of Terror. I want to look out at the street. I want to see the street where the party's going. Oh, my God. 